0: This programme was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air.
1: Welcome to Digital Divide, a series of Kōrero conversations about digital equity, access and well-being in Aotearoa, New Zealand. This is a collaboration between Link Rōrō, Plains FM and Ako Otatahi Learning City, Christchurch, to amplify marginalised voices and provoke system change. Kō Fiona Dehin Tokoimoa. My name is Fiona Dihin and I decided to start these conversations because I wanted to learn and understand more of myself. Use my voice to create spaces where these stories and this kōrero could be heard by others, and create a more inclusive, equitable, and understanding Aotearoa New Zealand. Uh, kia ora, uh, Josh. Uh, welcome. Kia ora, Fee. How's it going today? Not too bad at all, thank you. Good, good, good. Um, well, look, let's just jump straight into it. Um, I just want to invite you, first of all, just to introduce yourself to our listener. So tell us about yourself. What fills your life?
0: Kia ora, Fee. Kia ora, koutou. Koo Josh Huff, Tokwingawa. Uh, I'm co chair of the Waitaha Regional Digital Equity Steering Group and also Tumu, Tiahu Oaha at Tatai Ahoro Core Education. Uh, where I head up the research and innovation department um, there. So what fills my life? I love that question, Fee. Mm. Uh, what fills my life is, um, first and foremost, relationships. Uh, really, really important to me. Uh, the number one being my relationship with my wife. And, um, yep, that's, that's my, my main thing in life. And um, alongside that, um, I'm also uh, an educator, a learner, a designer, uh, a creative, a futurist, uh, a geek, and <laughs> of all those things that I am. Uh, one of the things I am most is excited to be here with you today. Oh, stop it! You're <laughs> some
1: charmer. Straight into it, ease. <laughs> uh,
0: so, I mean, you know, it's it's a really good question. Hey, what what fills my life? Um, I think for me, uh, one of the most important things is just looking at the way things are and asking, does it have to be that way? And trying to knit together, uh, I guess. Uh, uh, a multiple focus on the future, um, the active design in reimagining that future, and also the active learning and how we can be uh, the fullest of who we are right now as we have an eye towards where things are going. Mm.
1: Great introduction. So good. Um, really noticed what you said in there in the end. I mean, noticed all of it, but what you were talking there about learning and design and how you use the word active mm. before each of them. Um, why the choice of the word active?
0: I think because you can you can exist in quite a state where you're aware of these things and you can kind of watch them going past and you can not take part. And while there are times in life when that's an important thing to do, to give yourself space to breathe, I think that the act of design is exactly that. It's, it's an active tense. It's a thing that you do together in collaboration. You can't just, you can't collaborate passively. You know, you have to be active to take part in that. And the best kind of futures and the best kind of learning and the best kind of design is done in collaboration.
1: Mm, Yeah, yeah. It's it's the difference between actively participating in your life and in processes than life just happening to you. Mm. Because you can live a life, really, by just going along with the flow and allowing it to just, happen to you and things to happen to you or for you and but then there's also being that active participant and maybe helping carving out the path that you want for yourself or for the for the thing you're passionate about and so being part of the the solution and being part of the change
0: yeah i think mm-hmm. that's really well said For i think um in this day and age you know the kind of the amount of things that are going on in the world and the amount of worthy causes that there are we can't afford to just sit around and and be passive we have to get in Mm -hmm. and, and have chats and and be active in those spaces yeah yeah
1: yeah absolutely um digital digital divide you know that's the name of our our podcast um what what does that mean for you what does digital divide or digital equity or inequity um mean in in your words in your world how would you describe that to our listener
0: I love that question, Fee, because um I'm gonna be honest, as part of my, my role as the co chair of the White Hour Regional Digital Equity Steering Group, when I was first invited into that space, I thought, you know, I think I know what digital equity is, but I'm gonna Google it all the same and just, you know, check. Check if I've got this right. And actually, what I realised was my definition to begin with was actually quite nebulous. Like, I didn't really understand what that was. So after a number of years of working in the space, I think I've nailed it down. So my definition of digital inequity would be that state in which everybody does not have uh, access to and support to develop the capability to use technology. And that means to take part in society, in life, and the digital divide is the gap between those people who do have access and support to develop that capability and those who don't. Mm.
1: That's great. Thank you for breaking that down because as we talked previously when we were preparing for our recording here, is that some listeners will have an understanding already of what, a, what digital equity means and some won't have a clue. And And that's totally fine. So, you know, we're doing our best to meet you where, where you're at, whoever you are, you know, our yeah. listener, to kind of... Um, help bring you into this conversation if it's something you'd never heard about before because it is an important one and um if you were about to switch this off because we didn't explain digital equity to you then we wouldn't be doing our job right um we we wanted to kind of um help you understand regardless of what stage you're at and know that there's no shame regardless of what stage you're at because just cuz you didn't know anything about it isn't a bad thing either
0: I think that's really well said Fee. you know um when we were talking a little earlier, Fee, I was saying that, you know, yes, I've been in this space for a wee while and working around this area, but actually there's loads of things that I don't know. And just because um, I am cozied up to this space, I'm learning all the time. You know, there's lots of things people will bring up. I was like, oh, I've never heard of that before, or I'd never heard of that definition, or I'd never heard of that group, or I didn't realize that was an aspect of the challenge. And to be involved in this space doesn't mean you've got to know it all, it just means you need to be a little bit aware of it. And mm. if this is that place that you're starting, then that's great.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. There's a, this, it's just about letting go of ego really. A yeah. A little bit. It's going, actually I don't have to know it all. I just have to know I want to help. Absolutely. And I and yeah. I wanna make some improvement in this or I wanna understand it better yeah. to start with. Um, digital divide or digital equity, inequity, it's it's a pretty broad topic, mm. right? Um, what specific area are you passionate about or are focused on? personally or professionally?
0: There's two for me, really. So the first one is around the power of youth in this space. Mm. So, so often in my own career, I've experienced um, adults who often treat youth as, unfortunately, one of these things, either incapable of coming up with solutions or that they don't care about these kinds of issues and and wouldn't want to pay attention to it, or that they're too, you know, starry-eyed or too... Um, too much visioning about what could be possible and not grounded in reality. But I can tell you firsthand from all the work I've done with youth, none of those things are true. They are so, I mean, I'm painting with a broad stroke brush here, but a lot of youth that I've met and worked with are so capable as problem solvers around digital inequity. And I think as adults, one thing we could do is invite youth into the conversation a lot more and oftentimes invite them in and then get out the way and see what they come up with. So that's one area for me, the other is about provoking and collaborating um around systems change towards digital equity
1: and uh, in that second item around promoting and collaborating, you know what are the what are the areas you're doing that in?
0: yeah, so for me, it's really about um through the white House regional digital equity uh, group, that's part of it, but it's about um getting. Getting alongside communities and not trying to reinvent the wheel all the time. So bringing people together, hearing the, the the challenges they have in their community and the solutions they're coming up with, and actually um, finding a lot of the times that people are doing the same things or facing the same challenges. And if we could just connect them together, then it would be much more powerful. We're always going to go further together than we would alone. So a big part of my work is around seeing those things and making, I guess, conduits or avenues for those people to to connect and bring their ideas together.
1: Yeah, yeah, I like that. Connecting the dots and yeah. seeing that bigger picture and who could be part of the conversation, who's not part of the conversation, yeah. who should be at the table, who's not at the table. Yeah. Um, I think we were talking before about this um, idea of... Uh, oh, the idea of people who are connectors Mm. um, across different sectors um, and are generalists and I I use the inverted commas symbol there as well for our listener but you know and that often that's painted with a negative brush at that generalist um, label um, or you know the jack of all trades um, master of none and people might say that in in a smirking maybe self-deprecating way but actually that there's value in both there's value in the hyper-specialists Um, And in this circumstance, in the digital tech space, um, and I suppose, and even that in itself is quite broad. So you're going to have a range of specialisations in that. But to address such large system issues and societal issues, such as digital equity, um, it's around a combination of those people who are hyper specialists, who are deep in the trough of their own specialisation, and the people who can see across the different troughs of specialisation both within and outside of the digital sector because solutions may lie elsewhere. So those connectors Mm. across different sectors with different ideas and different perspectives could be invaluable.
0: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I mean, I think, yeah, that that idea that the generalist, you know, that word is somehow diminutive, Mm. um, I totally disagree with that. I think those people who are able to move between different areas of skill or different domains or even just indeed across different communities, that in and of itself is a skill. And I think we're starting to realise that more and more, you know, the idea of being a deep specialist in one area. Yeah, that's really important. We need those people. But that's not the only kind of person you can be. You can be somebody who has um, a lot of wide knowledge um, as opposed to just deep knowledge. And actually, you know, we find often a well-rounded human is a person who does have knowledge across more than one thing mm-hmm. rather than only one domain and limiting themselves Has width. to that. Yeah, it's not, width, you yeah. know. And even if you're going deep within one field, actually just being aware of what's going on around that field as well. But I think to to draw on the work of uh, Margaret Wheatley and the, the Burkhaner Institute, they talk about how the ideas and the solutions so often exist in community. And we find that in the digital equity space as well. It's not just about uh, someone trying to be, you know, the next Elon or whatever and come up with some enormous system that's going to solve this. And yes, you know, Starlink has its place as as part of the solutions for this kind of thing. But actually, it's really about getting alongside people who are, you know, actually suffering the effects of digital inequity and saying, well, what does that look like for you? Or what would a solution look like for you? How would you like it to be? How can we amplify the good work you're already doing? How can we situate it so you are the ones who are solving this challenge and we're supporting rather than just coming in over the top and saying, we're going to do this for you. Or, you know, um, just rolling out one size fits all solutions and then being surprised when it doesn't work.
1: Mm -hmm. The answers often lie within community. That's something we could all do with hearing a lot more of, regardless of the sector that we're in. right? Mm. Tell me about your work at the moment, Josh. Um, How does it relate to this topic of digital equity or inequity?
0: Yeah, so the work I'm doing at the moment is kind of, I wear a few different hats. So one of them, the White House Regional Digital Equity, I'm just going to call it the WRDE now. So I yeah, don't do have please. to say that
1: <laughs> You're doing very well. <laughs> yeah, the, the WRDE. Fair.
0: And also uh, with Tata Ohara, Core Education. Um, it, it ties in because through the WRDE, we're trying to, um, I guess, uh, knit together those things that are going on across Waitaha, across Canterbury. Uh, in that in that digital equity space, the things they're trying to advance it, and and really spotlight those and and advance those causes more, and through my work at Tata Iaho, uh we support a, a number of initiatives to um, you know that, that have an eye towards digital um, equity or inequity, um, one of those being uh, an initiative called um, Efiti Efiti, So that's been an initiative to connect uh, Rangatahi from around Waitaha uh, with local uh, businesses and people from the public sector where those folks bring uh, digital equity challenges and the young people solve them.
1: Tell me about how you found yourself coming to work in this space around digital equity.
0: Mm, That's an awesome question, Fee. How long have we got? Um, So (laughs) (laughs) I'll I'll take it back. I'm going to go back a bit in my story um, to to give a more full answer to that. And Mm. I'll circle back at the end to the reason why I'm doing that. So... just before or around right about the time of the, the Christchurch earthquakes, uh, I was working as a CCTV uh, security technician, nothing to do with education at all. And on the day of the quakes, I found myself halfway up a ladder and uh, you know th- that it, it sounds like a terrible pun, but it really did it really did um, change things and shake things up for me in multiple ways, not only physically but also just in my work in and life and, and what I was doing. And it made me take a step back and a look at what I was doing with my life and where I was going with it. And I did the thing I thought I'd never do when I was younger, and I left the job without having another job lined up. And in this period of not having uh, a job, a friend of mine came around one day and said, you know, you just need to apply for something. Just just start something. It doesn't matter what. Just Just get back out there and do something. So I applied for the first job that came up and it was marking papers at a private training establishment for second chance learners, uh, many of whom were, you know, um, doing it tough and in difficult life circumstances, mostly adult learners, some young as well. And I went to this office and I, I got this job and I started marking these papers. I met some amazing people, but marking papers wasn't really what I really wanted to do, but it was it was a start. And then one day, this wonderful woman, Dee Kennedy, and if you listen to this, Dee, thank you very much. (laughs) Dee came in one day and said, look, Josh, the the teacher who teaches the class, uh, they've gone to Australia and they're not coming back. Um, We really need you to go down there and teach the class. And I went, I laughed and said, oh, Dee, you know, I don't know anything about teaching. I don't know anything about education. I don't have a background in that. I've got an IT degree. I'm a bit of a geek, but um, yeah. And she said, well, you know i I really need you to do this it's it's you know we, we just need you to step into that space, so off you go <laughs> she was she was quite prompting, so I went home and I said to you know my my now wife then partner, oh, you know i I don't think I can do this like having an anxiety meltdown, but anyway, I went in and at the time, very skinny white kid, you know, going into this this room of these people who doing life tough and they want to learn about some digital skills and i know about that but i don't know how to teach them and i don't know how to connect with them i hadn't done any cultural development at all despite living here for must have been 10 years or so at the time and i just went in and i said look um i don't know anything about your lives i don't know about your experiences um i don't even really know how to teach you all that well but i do know about what you're trying to learn So why don't you teach me about what you need and about your life experiences and I'll help you learn about the the topical stuff you need to know and we'll just do it together. And out of that came this amazing passion for education that I never knew that I had before and great relationships with all these students. They were just amazing. I still know loads of them today. And I went from there. Uh, One day I got a phone call from this guy at the Polytech, um, what's now Ada, was then CPIT, to come and interview for this role and the role was to do what was called a dual enrollment program so it was to go into schools around Christchurch and teach uh, digital technology programs in schools in lieu of a digital technologies teacher where the school didn't have one or whether where maybe they were trying to recruit one or training up. so I would go in and deliver the class and develop it within the school while they looked for a teacher and then when they found one I would hang, hand the program over to them. And step back and step out of the space. So, mm. at the time, there's quite a shortage of digital technologies teachers um, around. So, I ended up working at um, Christchurch Boys High School. And um, when I, I I didn't go to a very fancy school in the UK, so when I rocked up to this school, I'm walking across the field, never been there before. And I'm like, man, this place looks like Hogwarts. It looks <laughs> like some kind of old school medieval castle, you know. I'm walking up, wow, it's so fancy. And the principal comes out and he meets me and shakes my hands. He has a lot riding on this, Josh, okay? So I go in up this big fancy staircase into this room uh, full of 16-year-old boys who are sitting there looking at me and they're all dressed in their fancy school uniforms. I'm going, I'm so out of place. And I walked in and same thing again, as with the private training establishment, just said, look, I don't know how to be a school teacher. I'm not one, but I do know plenty about what it is you're trying to learn. Why don't you teach me about what you need and I'll teach you about the topical stuff. And again, same thing, just really great relationships came out of it. While I was at at Ada, I was super, super lucky to get the opportunity to do this thing called the BOMA New Zealand Education Fellowship. Just another shameless plug here for Kyla Colbin. If you Mm. listen to this, Kyla, um, my dying gratitude for this. And um, I applied and got onto this fellowship and it involved a trip to the States, um, which was, I've got to be honest, like when I was looking at why I might do it, the trip to the States was a pretty big seller. Yeah, sounds like a pretty good reason. (laughs) I mean, yeah. Yeah, But, you know, when I actually got onto it, what I found was I met these other nine educators who, um, you know were people like me, they, they didn't feel comfortable with just the status quo. They knew that uh, from a systems level that perhaps we could be doing more to support teaching and learning in a way that really, really worked for young people and that they didn't know how, but they knew things could perhaps be different. And BOMA <laughs> took us over to the States and we spent a couple of weeks over there. And part of that trip uh, involved a, a visit to Stanford D School. And it was in the D School that we met this guy called David Clifford, and David Clifford is one of the founders of Libertary Design, which is a hack of design thinking to make it more um, equity advancing. And he took us through this Libertary Design workshop over two days, and honestly, for that, that—that was the moment for me where the where the penny dropped, because in this workshop, what David did was he really kind of broke us down I don't know if he was quite meaning to do that but he he held up a mirror for us to kind of look at you know how we were thinking and how we were showing up and what was behind that you know what were the aspects of our identities why were we the way that we were and that might sound like really deep stuff and and it was you know we we came out of that two days feeling utterly pulled apart (laughs) and in pieces but in a really really good way and it was in that moment that I realized man I've gone this far through my life without ever really thinking about why am I the way I am? Why do I do the things that I do? And what are those things that are because I've made them that way? And what are those things that are circumstantial? You know, my the fact that I'm English, the fact that I'm a man, the fact that, um, you know, I'm a geek, the fact that I'm a bit of an academic, you know, like those kinds of things, they all come into aspects of my identity and help make me who I am. And if that's true, which it is, then there must be people who aren't just like me, and they'll have their own story. And of course, it seems so obvious to say it now, but in the moment when you go, actually, you know what? The things that work for me at a systems level, I am privileged to be in the group that those things were designed for, but there are plenty of people who aren't in that group who Mm. those things were designed for. And... You know, I just kind of from that grew this, this feeling to go, well, why are the systems the way that they are? Could they be different? Who's missing from the table? Who's not in the conversation? So I came back from the States and with a deep drive to sort of change things up. And that's how I ended up working at Tantai Core Education, because that's the kind of place that does that. Yeah. So all of that led me to the digital equity space, because I was sitting there going, well, why do things have to remain you know, inequitable in the digital space. Could we challenge them? Could they be different? And drawing on that state's experience to really fuel me and drive me in that space.
1: mm what a great story. You you um, you weave a good you weave a good tale there. I don't know, it must be the accent or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: that's gonna, it. You did tell go. me
1: there was a bit of Irish heritage in there as well. Well, so, maybe,
0: know. maybe in the in the background, yeah. So my, my mum had an Irish partner growing up and uh, he was he was from um, Southern Ireland there and you never know um, people from around the Wirral and the Liverpool area. There's a there's always a bit of a link between uh, that that totally. and, and the Irish and boy.
1: come on, you're a redhead like so, <laughs> yeah. and you're wearing a fat cap. Yeah, that's yeah. You know, there there must be something (laughs) in that. But no, seriously, though, like you've told that story really well, and it's really, um, it's always really interesting to hear people's why Mm -hmm. and the journey that they've been on to the work that they've gotten to, because people who are advocating for system change and. Um, battling and pushing for change when it comes to equity weren't born doing that. And I guess that's an important message I would like to try and convey through these podcasts Mm -hmm. as well is that you don't have to be the knower of all and to have been born into this academic world or to be this highly, um, I suppose, educated is the wrong word, but, you know, person to advocate for change and to want to speak out against equity. You can just have questions. Yeah. you can just have questions and and you know you're never done with questions mm. so i think just accept that but i guess it's about encouraging people one one reason for these conversations for these kōrero is to encourage people that um, they can be part of the change as well um, around whether it's digital equity or any other kind of inequity that they're seeing in their community, in their school, in their in their lives. So, you know, I think that's a really important message by you sharing your story of your why and how you got to that work, that these things aren't always linear. Sometimes they're yeah. very much the crazy paved yeah. um, thing where doors open mm-hmm. and you just accept the invitations and yeah. go... And yeah. this is where you've ended up.
0: Yeah, I love that for you. I mean, you, you can be anybody and, and I am just anybody. You know, I am uh, definitely a closet introvert. Um, if someone's going to make it awkward, it's going to be me. You know, I uh, tend to, I've got a habit of saying things in a really long roundabout way, or sometimes I'll be a bit too shy. And on, on paper, I guess, when you think of somebody who's active in the equity space, You think of somebody who's always articulate and has all the stats and the data to hand and just has a gift for you know working the room and energizing people and saying the right thing and and dealing with all those tough conversations all the time i'm not that person but i'm still involved in the space because i realize there are things i have um through no hard work of my own that I can leverage to talk to people who are like me to help them be more aware of the conversation mm. and to be an ally to people who are, you know, trying to, trying to make things more equitable. I can do that. And, yeah, you know, you you, you can just be anybody. You can start where you are.
1: Yeah, yeah. I liked, and, and the ally, allyship is, is such an important aspect of that, of, of utilising our privilege. Yeah. Because, yes, you know, I'm a white woman, white Pakia woman as well, and, you know pretty well educated you know so again another reason why I'm having these corero is that actually I have I can I have the opportunity to hold a space for other voices to be Mm -hmm. heard not to speak for them because I don't know it all myself and I'm not here to speak on behalf of anyone but if I can hold a space for them to be heard and and in another way I'm not I'm not speaking for you and but you're I'm we're holding a space for you to be heard because you work more in this space so, bearing that in mind, you know, if we're talking about amplifying marginalised voices, um, y- you know, who are the voices that you're amplifying around the topic of digital equity?
0: Mm, yeah, so through the work with the WRDE, um, it's really trying to amplify those voices of the people who aren't always heard in this space and the voices of the people who are doing good work in the space already, which are often actually the same people, uh, because again, you know, those those answers tend to lie in community. But really uh, where we're seeing a lot is um, digital inequity is rural and um, people who live rurally, uh, Maori and Pasifika, uh, people with disabilities, uh, older adults and lower income households um, tend to be the people who are at the sharpest end of, of this inequity. So really, um, the way we come at it in the WRDE is just trying to trying to provide that kind of um, collective space, you know, where we can bring all the good ideas together, not double up on the things that are already happening, but kind of leverage off each other's ideas and not try and own it or control it in a way, just amplify it. mm,
1: mm. When you talk, um, you talk about, you know, when we talk about the communities or the individuals that are being impacted by this and you've you've kind of given some examples there, you know, have you... Have you observed particular examples um, that you can share or um, yeah, I'm just curious, yeah, sure. So um actually thinking about um
0: you know there's there's somebody who um, lives close to me in a Cangalora um, house who uh, hasn't had any uh, internet access for you know quite some time and then has only recently got it and is now wanting to use that to find a job and hasn't had the support to develop those digital digital literacy skills. And, you know, it's difficult. Like if you haven't had that background or you haven't had that tech exposure, and then you have had some difficult life circumstances and, you know, perhaps you're receiving a benefit and then your life circumstances change and you're ready to and able to go out and look for work and you want to do that in which case he does, then, you know, there are some extra hurdles to overcome. Whereas mm. for me, I'm just like, okay, I'll just jump on Trade Me and have a look because I'm used to that. He's sitting there going, well, you know, what kind of work do I want to find? How do I do that? What are the supports? And, yeah, you know, it's, a, it's just a good example of a, a great person trying to do something and those systemic barriers are what's making it harder. Mm. And, you know, that's um, not really okay.
1: No, no, it's not. Um, it's 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 you know, there's a lot of assumptions that we make about digital equity. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what what myths would you like to di- bust on the topic? Because I just feel that maybe what you've just spoken to, yeah. you know, highlights some of those that people think are. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. So one myth I'd like to bust V is um, this person I'm thinking of has a mobile phone, and I imagine a snap judgment that a lot of people would make is. Well, if he's got a mobile phone, surely he would already know how to do all this stuff, right? Because he can use technology. But actually, that's not true at all. Just because you can use a smartphone doesn't mean that you can navigate complex systems of governmental support or healthcare or education or learning. And not only that, you might not even be able to use those systems because they might not be designed for people like you. So they could be designed for a certain kind of person. And those accessibility barriers are there. And what support do you have to overcome them? And if you can use a smartphone and you might be able to even use Facebook, that doesn't mean that you can automatically just do all those things and, you know, navigate that space. Mm. So that's one myth.
1: And if you if you've ever tried to navigate half of those websites on a mobile phone, anyway, <laughs> you know, yeah, they might they okay. might configure them so that they look relatively normal, yeah. but actually, try and fill in a long form or do a job yeah. application or something yeah. on a phone, even if you are relatively tech savvy, and you can never get the cursor in the right place, and mm. you scroll, you know, so it's. I, I like I you know I slightly joke but I slightly don't you know yeah. it isn't that simple no. you know so I think I think spot on there yeah
0: I mean we saw you know it was hugely exposed in the, in the COVID lockdowns when people were saying well you know that family has a device you know we can see that they've got a device they should be fine but what they're not realizing is there might be four kids in that family and the device might be a mobile phone mm. how are you going to do your schoolwork at home on something like that. You can't really code on it. You can't do that kind of stuff. You can't do your art and design on it. You can't even really properly write a document on it. You know, it's going to be slow and difficult. You can't really watch a lot of video content because it's not optimized for phones and those kinds of things. Um, A smartphone does not a device make. And even if you do have that device, if you haven't had the support to develop the capability to use it, well, what use is it? Mm -hmm. So it's not just about the technology. It's about the, you know, the support around it. So that's that's one myth. The other myth um, I'd like to bust is that it's only a problem for low-income households. I think a lot of people make this assumption that um, it's only people who who can't necessarily afford this technology because of you know um, wider inequities that it's a problem for. But actually, it's a problem for all sorts of people. It's a problem for older people. You know, they often haven't grown up with. Um, you know, or won't have grown up, but often won't have been supported to learn to use those those tools. Um, so they can be left out of the online community, and we see that a lot. You know, of course, there are exceptions to it, but there's plenty of older people uh, who will. You know, there's a there's a a justifiable level of fear around using technology, and you know, I could <laughs> There's a, there's there's sort of the examples that make you smile. You know, I think about. Back back in the day, um, when I was in the UK, I remember my my own grandmother, who's who's passed away some years ago now, but she she said to me one day, she said, uh, "Josh, would you would you come and set up the the box that records the TV?" And I said, "Yeah, yeah, sure, I can do that. I can do that, Grandma. No problem." So I come around and set it up for her, and it was like a Sky TV recording box back then. And I remember very specifically, she said to me, um, "I don't think I'm going to use it." after I'd set it all up. And I said, why not, Grand? You know, like, it'll be all right. He said, well, won't everyone get annoyed when I pause the TV? And I was like, you know, this like it seems like such a fundamental thing. But for her, her actual understanding was if I press pause when I'm recording a TV program, mm. everyone else watching that TV program will have it paused. And that sounds crazy, right? Mm. But if you haven't grown up with this technology mm. and you've never used it before, that's a perfectly reasonable assumption to make. Yeah. Now, that's at the extreme end of it. But even just, you know, uh, moving in spaces like, I don't know, you know, Reddit can be a, a goldmine of useful stuff to find out about a topic. You don't tend to see that many older people using that because mm. it's not set up for them.
1: Mm. Mm. Um, and, and even we talk about, you know, access. So there's the access to the, the device, which an appropriate device, first mm. of all, if any, access to, you know, the, to internet capability. Um, and then we're talking about the the use and the capability mm-hmm. to use those things. Yeah. Um, and then we're talking about the capability to use that safely. Um, and Nisa, who I spoke with um and who has, you know, there's another episode with talking about the well being aspect of it. So we can widen the digital divide actually by just giving people devices and giving them access to the internet. We also need to be able to navigate that safely. So whether that is your kid um being on YouTube and all of a sudden finding videos you know that they shouldn't, mm. or your grandma yeah. you know watching the news yeah. on there and following you know the next recommended thing that actually ends up in some form of propaganda that yeah. isn't really real news, so we're you know there's a there's whole different levels of there's the access bit um and then there's the capability bit, and then there's the safely mm. bit as well, so totally. There's so much more to consider there that people are maybe making assumptions about. Just because you have a phone does yep. not mean that you can use it safely yeah. and to the level that you need to actually be able to contribute. A hundred percent.
0: And, you know, I work in the education sector and I've had a lot of parents say to me things like, well, don't they learn this stuff in school? You know, isn't the stuff that teachers are teaching them or in digital technology class? If you think about the advancements in AI, Robotics, metaverse, blockchain, you know, um, all these intersecting exponential technologies. Show me a teacher in the world who has the time to keep up with all of that while Mm. also trying to teach these aspects of safety and privacy and how to use things well. Mm. It's just not doable for it to be the teacher's job alone. It has to be an everybody job. Mm. And if we're going to make sure that the next generation is coming up in a way that is advancing digital equity, then we need to be talking, you know, about these things in the household, and in community, and in the workplace. Acknowledging it's not just children, it's it's uh, everybody.
1: Yeah, it is an everybody problem, right? we mm. um, coming back to some of the work that you've been doing and working with uh, young people. Um, to address some of these issues. I'd love, I, I wondered um, if you had any examples that you could share of some of yeah. the awesome projects and work that, that has emerged from from that.
0: Yeah, sure. I'm going to do my best not to um, name names because I'm not sure if I'm supposed to yet when, where the project's at. So I'll talk in a roundabout way. Do. And uh, so one one particular uh technological company brought a challenge around a a customer base. It was a real challenge, actual customers who um, had a particular health condition. And uh, with this health condition, the challenge for that community was they didn't have any kind of online space designed for them. And it was very, very difficult for the people with this particular health condition to access health specialists. So the reason the company had been contracted to do the work was to create a platform to connect these people with this, with this illness together and to uh, also connect them with their, their medical specialists. They brought this challenge to the young people as part of Airfiti Airfiti that I mentioned earlier and said, you know, how would you solve it? And the solutions the young people came up with just blow your mind. You know, they had four days all up, towed two two day sprints to work on this, and they they spent uh, the first two days sort of trying to come up with an answer, and then you know working through that sort of messy design process and ideating and going oh what are we doing here, and then a little break and then they came back and did the second two days, and they came up with this fully working prototype. It was like a beautifully designed website with a a three D printed uh, physical thing that you could use to to cross the the difficulties with the with the people who we're trying to, you know, access this thing. And it worked. It was actually amazing. Mm. And I remember the, the CEO of the company saying, how, like, how, did, you, how did you come up with that, in that, <laughs> that time frame? You know, it's mind-blowing. And, yeah, th- this is the thing. When we put youth together with challenges that they uh, not only care about, but that actually matter in the world, and then give them the tools and the wraparound support to solve them, and then get out the way, the stuff they can come up with is incredible because we know that as we go through life, the creativity can so often be drummed out of us. But when you're a bit younger, that hasn't happened to you as much yet. Mm, so the fear the way, of failure yeah, yeah, hasn't totally. been
1: completely ingrained yeah, in you yet and totally. you feel more courageous to be yeah, vulnerable with your ideas. Yeah. yeah. And
0: like divergent in your thinking and bringing different lenses to it. No, oh, we could involve that and do this. We had another group who had a... I can't even explain it, even with my technology background, but it it did make sense when they talked about it, which is, again, speaking to their presentation skills, but they shared this idea for some kind of mesh, um, free uh, internet network across the city that would take this node-based approach. Mm. And they designed the technology and proven that it could work and made a prototype and all this. And the council was saying, wow, you know, that's amazing. That's something we could actually do in our city. And these, these people are... 15 to 17, you mm-hmm. know, it's
1: wild. We often underestimate people, don't we? We do. Um, and underestimate the, the youth in our communities. Yeah. So, you know, it's fantastic that you're able to bring them in to part, be part of solving the problem yeah. and not having them sit back and be told we'll solve it for you. Yes. You know, so actually bring them in and enable yeah. our communities, young and old, to be part of this solution.
0: Absolutely, yeah. Mm. And uh I'm I'm really big on that. I really do think we need Rangatai in the space, young people in the space to be um coming up with the solutions because, you know, it's not us um that are going to be living with the long-term effects of this it's that next generation you know and we really need them to be part of the solutions that are created Mm. yeah Mm.
1: So Josh, you know, we've talked a lot about, you know, what digital equity, um, or inequity means, the digital divide. Um, we've talked a bit about your work and some of the cool stuff that you've been doing. Really keen not to talk about um, you know, what actions would you like people to take or to consider as a result of this conversation? Um, yeah, what would make a difference? Yeah, I think uh,
0: the first thing to acknowledge is, you know, there's lots of things you can do, and you just start where you're at with what you have. So, you know, some of the things I'm about to rattle off might not apply to you, and that's okay if they don't. Uh, and you might have ideas that aren't in, you know, this list of things. This isn't the definitive what you can or can't do. But from my perspective, um, I just want to shout out Recycle a Device. You know, it's an amazing program that um, you know refurbishes devices and students do the work so they're learning about technology and put them in the hands of people who really, really need them. And, you know, they're always needing more devices. So if you have technology that you're not using, even if you think the laptop is a little bit older, you know, it's not going to play the latest games or whatever, that doesn't matter. They can totally use that technology. So recycle a device, definitely first and foremost. Also, um, just volunteering a bit of your time. You know, if you know something um, about a technology aspect, then share that knowledge with somebody else. You know, Mm -hmm. there might be a community group, or people asking for IT support, um, IT learning, or just you know how to use Microsoft Word, or how to use Google, or email. Uh, you can get a lot of you know joy and fulfilment out of working with people around that kind of stuff. Um, speaking from personal experience, it's really great um, and really really fills you up. Um, also, there's lots of organisations who are doing work in this space. So the Digital Equity Coalition Aotearoa, or DECA for short. Uh, that is a, um, a group um, that is focused on a constellation approach to digital equity.
1: I like that constellation. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: So it's really acknowledging that, you know, again, that idea that the answers lie in communities and each community is different. So they're kind of like a, an overall support group for different initiatives going on around the MORTU. And if you're interested in supporting through a more organized space, that's a great group to connect with. Uh, You can also write to your local MP or join a community meeting to advocate for digital equity in some way. So if you're going to do that, I'd encourage you to find out what are the digital equity needs in your particular community. And the best way to do that is to be in community. You know, go where the people are, ask them how it's going for them, what they need, you know, what they think the best solutions would look like. Mm. And then get alongside and advocate in that space. Another thing you can do is just learn more about it. If you jump on Google and go like I did, you know, some years ago, what is digital equity in, in Aotearoa? Um, that's a good place to start. But also, you know, read some of the reports that are out there. There's lots of good ones that have been written in our local context that talk about how this is an issue from a national perspective, um, across health, across education, social services, all those kinds of things. And just find something that resonates with you where you think, yeah, that's that's an aspect of this worthy cause that that makes sense to me. And I tend to find, you know, if it in some way connects with your own life, you're going to be much more passionate about it. So if it's something, you know, you've got someone in your life or some kind of circumstances and you think, you know what, that's, that's not right. That's not equitable. Then just take an action, big or small.
1: Mm-mm. And as you said before, you know, just sometimes it's just about asking more questions. Yeah. It's being more curious about your, how you feel about this now that you know more about it. Does it make you feel uncomfortable? Well... Okay, well, if it makes you feel uncomfortable, then, you know, what does that tell you? Because you know that something's not quite right. um, Totally. Generally. And sit with that. And then, you know, you don't have to be able to change the world yourself or think you can change the world. But it is about, well, what's one small step I can take? And that's some of those things that you've shared there. You know, ask more questions. You know, ask your neighbour. Yeah, yeah. I think it was Ellie. When I was chatting with Ellie Mm. on on another one of the... Episodes she was talking about, you know, just checking in with your neighbour, you know, mm. how are they going? How mm. how do they manage with tech? Checking at home, start at home. You yeah. know, how's your mum or your your daughter or your son or your partner or your grandma? You know, yeah. what how you know, when you talk to them about the digital uh, access or mm. equity, what what is it? You know, how do they manage um, those aspects of their life? And, and mm. does it stop them being able to participate in certain things? Mm. Um but that can help yeah. help you decide the next step maybe totally.
0: yeah two comments I'd make on that uh, one is um, helping your own parents is the hardest it's always either, easier to help other people's parents it's way less frustrating We <laughs> can just swap <laughs> with people yeah. I don't know find make out sit down so with your easier. friends <laughs> yeah.
1: and say okay whose parents yeah. need start help start with someone else's parents I'll help yours if you help mine <laughs> yeah.
0: but also I think that um, it's a really good point for you that like you don't even have to use the words digital equity. You know, if you're approaching someone, you don't have to say, "How is digital uh, digital inequity for you?" <laughs> to- you can just say, "You know, how you going? Have you, are, are you able to access the internet? And uh, you know, have you have you what computer have, have you got? You know, if they're really new to it, or you might say, "Oh, you know, um, I noticed you don't have an email address. Um, can I can I help you with that? Or you know, see if they're interested, or just check that they're going okay. Just just ask them how they're going. You know, mm. what needs they have." And sometimes it can be the simple stuff like email and sometimes it can be they've got all this rubbish that they want to sell but they don't know how to use Trade Me. You know, it can be anything. Just any aspect where somebody isn't able to fully take part in society because there's something preventing them from
1: doing Mm, that. mm, Yeah, if there's something they want to do but they can't book it or they can't sell it or they can't, just because they can't use a particular device then maybe that's that first small step that Mm -hmm. you can take. Awesome. That's really tangible and practical and manageable for our listener to to hear and think actually I can do something. Um it doesn't have to because it can feel big sometimes when we talk about these big things yeah, but I think I think that's a a good segue into you know what can we do more at a a collective and um systemic level. You know what are some of the things that that yeah that are happening or that that we need to do more of.
0: Mm. Yeah, that's that's great for. You. I think um One of the main things is building awareness and momentum Um, because you know there are so many things going on in life today and so many uh different faces of inequity that um in the press and in in i don't mean the media but in the in the the rush and and the the crash together of all the things that are important sometimes stuff can get lost And it's just about being aware and sharing, you know, your own personal story and your own experience that you can talk to with authenticity. And sometimes that can be, I don't know, carrying out some research, helping people tell their stories like you're doing now, you know, making a space Um, and just driving that change by creating more of a sense of urgency. Mm. Yeah. Also, I think, um, you know, another really important aspect is supporting those community led actions. So, you know, there's loads of digital literacy programs going on around the country. Um, Everywhere you look, there's something going on. People needing, you know, device donations like recycle a device, um, affordable access to the Internet. There's lots of local solutions to those kinds of things. Find out what's going on in your area and and get in behind it. Um, I think another thing is engaging with decision makers at all levels. So it doesn't always have to be writing to the prime minister to say, you know, hey, we need to solve digital uh, inequity. You're best off you know, connect with your local community. Um, What organisations are there in those spaces? What private sector um, organisations are doing things in your area? What's your local council doing? You know, could you get in behind that stuff? And I think also holding institutions accountable uh, for their role in advancing digital equity. So I don't think it matters if you're a in the spotlight kind of person or more of a stealth agitator. Uh, it's all good, but whatever your approach, just pushing for those equitable policies, products, you know, practices, services and approaches, that, that means good stuff for everybody. And while this is you know my bias, I think I would cap it off by saying, just collaborate, collaborate, collaborate. You know the more you do stuff together, the further it's going to go. Mm. this stuff can feel quite um, gnarly and almost overwhelming if you're trying to do it on your own. But if you can connect with like-minded individuals, that's where you're going to find the answers.
1: Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And as we talked about before, you know, sometimes it's just being willing to just share what we're each working on because there's, I feel like there's a spectrum. Is it a spectrum or a continuum I'm thinking of? Um, I think it's continuum. Um, (laughs) But a continuum of collaboration where, you know, on one end it might just be, let's, Proactively, um, connect and connect and just network and catch up about what's going on in each other's worlds mm. and then on the other end it is meaningfully collaborate mm. so to, to connect and fill each other in on what's going on can be a form of lower level collaboration and just around awareness but then there's an intentional project we work on which is that you know, more meaningful stuff, and then in the middle, as we talked about, the collaborating, yeah, right? Let's get to let's get to know yeah, each I'm other. Not. We don't need to have yeah. a relationship, or we don't need to get married, and because people are often um, afraid to talk about collaboration, because even. Sometimes they're competing against mm. each other for similar funding, mm. um, and that as well. So it's like, well, actually, do we want to make change in this area, or um, is it would it be better if we could do it together? Actually?
0: Yeah, yeah. There's no one individual organization or entity that is going to make this change on their own. It's just not going to happen. Mm. It's it's gonna it's gonna take it all hands to the plow kind of approach, and the only way we're going to do that is if we learn to collaborate well. And often that means, like you said earlier. You know, a bit of the checking of the ego, but also, um, you know, spending time, building relationships, and building trust. The bedrock of good collaboration is mm. that that time spent building trust.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's my clicking my fingers poetry. I agree <laughs> with that, or I think that's cool kind of thing. But yeah, to, couldn't agree more. Um, Trust um, and develop, and working from there in our collaboration. Mm. Awesome, thanks, Josh. Um, I guess just as we start to wrap things up, you know, think about the journey we've been on through this Korero, through this conversation, you know, really keen to hear from you. Um, that if you were sitting across from our listener right now, just like you are with me, and you could see, you could look them in the eye, you know, what would be the most important thing you would want them to leave this Korero with?
0: I think two things. One thing would be that no matter um, who you are or where you are, there is something you can do this week, today to advance digital equity in Aotearoa New Zealand. Like you can do that and whether it's just a chat with a friend or whether you go all in and you get behind some kind of cause anywhere on that that you know continuum of action, you can do something. And and to know that also you don't have to be a pro or an expert in this space. I would argue that that almost doesn't exist because the landscape is shifting so much all the time. We're all learning. You know, we're all learning as this, this the digital space evolves and changes, which happens exponentially. The way digital equity looks and how we live into that is shifting all the time, too. So just just start, you know, start with where you are and, and what you have and what you know and who you know. And and that's it. And I had a couple of people say to me in the past comments like, well, you know, it's all good for you because you've got all this technological experience and, you know, you're working in all these spaces. I mean, first of all, I didn't always have that. Uh, those are things I acquired over time. But second of all, so that doesn't mean that I know everything there is to know about it. Mm. Every conversation I have, like the chats we've had today, I learn something new and there's a different aspect that I hadn't thought of before. So just start where you are
1: yeah i love it start where you are and just take one small step and then tomorrow maybe you can take another and it's those small steps that accumulate and that result in change um mm. josh thank you so much for your time um any other any links or anything that you um, mentioned to me or that we've talked about in the conversation we can share in the show notes but um yeah just thank you so much for your time for your uh, wisdom for your honesty for your vulnerability um it's been a pleasure
0: Thanks for the chat, Fee. Kia ora. Kia ora.
1: Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to Digital Divide. This is one of a series of conversations. Podcasts of the series will be available on the Plains FM website, Spotify and Apple. If you have any questions or feedback or you have ideas for other topics that we should explore, you can find my email address on the Digital Divide page on the Plains FM website. Please share with your networks so that we can continue to amplify marginalised voices, provoke system change and help us all be more inclusive and understanding of others' experiences. Thank you Link Roro, Plains FM and Ako Ototahi Learning City Christchurch for supporting this project.